everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. So just a quick heads up, my voice is a little off this week, more so than usual. Seasonal changes and smoke in the air. It's fall in the Pacific Northwest for sure. I would like to also go ahead and take the rest of this introduction to talk about a new podcast that I just came across. Spotify suggested it to me, and it is entitled, All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. In the podcast, the host, Mark and Kenny, take the listeners song by song through Madonna's entire musical catalog. And the order of the songs isn't random, it's track by track, album by album. And not only is it just talking about Madonna and the song in particular, but the two also talk about their own lives and where they were at when each album and their respective singles were released. So if you are a fan of Madonna, I highly recommend this podcast. The first episode I listened to was an hour long, but not all of the podcast episodes are that long, even though... Sometimes I wish they were. So, Mark and Kenny from All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Thank you for your podcast, and I can't wait to be all caught up. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled The Stranger and debuted on February 20th, 1978. The episode was written by Arthur Heineman and directed by Michael Landon. We begin with some stock footage of a rather prestigious-looking building. We are definitely not in Walnut Grove. We watch as a fancy carriage pulls up the driveway. We cut to a young boy opening up a set of double doors that leads to an office, and he is addressed as Peter by the men in the office. The gentleman behind the desk, going to assume it's his father, inquires, The school session is over already? Peter replies with a no as he approaches the desk. I've got something to tell you. I've been expelled for cheating and stealing. It's all explained in this letter from school. Peter hands the letter to the man behind the desk, again, assuming it's his father. Peter's father looks somewhat invested in this conversation at this moment. We're informed this is actually a second letter from the school. The first letter that had arrived did require some sort of reply, at which Peter's father did not. We're informed by the butler, or Peter's father's personal assistant, that his father has been busy and away. Peter's father reads that letter, and then casually sends Peter to his room, telling him that they'll discuss the matter later. And Peter? Peter looks a little PO'd for being dismissed, but he turns and heads to his room. In his room, Peter is sitting in the chair as the maid is fussing around. If you had let us know you were coming, we would have had things better prepared. The maid continues how Peter should go and say hello to his grandmama. She'll be so upset if you don't. Peter is looking out the window, only half listening. But yes, indeed, grandmama is a little upset that Peter did not say hello. She enters the room and excuses Maggie, the maid. Grandmama approaches Peter. What do you have to say for yourself? 
She's been informed by the headmaster's wife about Peter's behavior. Peter shrugs it off and says it's no big deal. We're informed that the stealing was a weekend activities all the students did. In fact, it was a competition. The kid who returned with the most was then referred to as the artful dodger for the week. Grandmama then inquires about the cheating. We're told that a classmate of Peter's managed to get a hold of the Latin quiz and they memorized the answers. Grandmama rolls her eyes. This is when we're introduced to Mr. Lundstrom, aka the person behind the desk that is Peter's dad. Thank you, Grandmama. Grandmama relays that her and Peter have discussed his peccadilloes, and she thinks that Peter has been punished enough. Mr. Lundstrom has decided that there is no need for punishment, and Grandmama promises that she will write and badger bully to get Peter back into the school. It was the school that her daughter had selected for Peter to attend. However, Mr. Lundstrom has decided that Peter will not be returning to the school. He's apparently not happy with the project of pupils who have graduated from the school. Mr. Lundstrom continues that he plans on giving something Peter has never had, but something that he himself had at Peter's age. Grandmama off to the side, throwing some shade, as I was told that wasn't very much. Mr. Lundstrom states, well, it was enough for me, and he mentions his childhood and the work he did with his family. Grandmama is insulted. You intend to put a shovel in Peter's hands and set him to farming? Mr. Lundstrom replies with a maybe, but first he needs to make arrangements with his cousin who lives in Minnesota. Grandmama is even more appalled. My daughter would never allow this. However, Mr. Lundstrom states, I'm pretty sure she would have encouraged this. He continues that this isn't an exile, but a quest to find a sense of values. Mr. Lundstrom and Grandmama leave the room, and the camera zooms in on Peter's expressions. And we cut to Walnut Grove. The Olsons are returning in their wagon with Peter, who will be spending the entire summer there in Walnut Grove. Harriet Olson exclaims to Peter that things in Walnut Grove are a little primitive here than they are back home. With that, Peter gets out of the wagon and requests to use the water closet. Willie Olson, uh, what's that? M Mr. Olson, looking at Peter, we don't call it that. He then asks if Willie will show Peter the location. And Willie Olson takes his cousin to the location and Peter is stunned. It's outside. And without missing a beat, Willie states, you don't want this in your house. It would stink up the entire place. Willie leaves Peter to um, have his first time experience in the outhouse and running back to his family starts to brag that Peter doesn't even know what an outhouse is. Inside the mercantile, Charles is stepping out from the storage room and Mr. Olson comes in and thanks him for watching the store while they were gone. In the background, Harriet Olson loudly reminds Peter how primitive things are out here. Mr. Olson interrupts and introduces Charles to Peter. 
Harriet Olson ushers Peter upstairs exclaims, you must be tired. Mr. Olson relays to Charles about the letter he received from Mr. Lundstrom. Charles agrees that this is a great idea. However, according to Mr. Olson, he can't even do this with his own family, not with Harriet teaching them otherwise. Charles, well, if you need help, just call. Somehow, in the mercantile slash Olson residence, Peter gets his own room. Unpacking, Willie Olson complains that Peter brought nothing but clothes. You got nothing to play with. Peter, reaching into his luggage, announces that he has presents that his grandma packed. Gratitude for your hospitality. Willie and Nellie snatch those packages out of Peter's hands. Harriet receives one as well, and upon opening them, Nellie and Harriet are captivated by their handkerchief slash veils. And gushing over these luxurious gifts, Harriet Olson states that the children will reply with thank you letters written on their own stationery. Willie Olson inquires if he can just send his tie back. Willie is excused from the room to take Mr. Olson his present. Nellie Olson, I must show my friends. There's a snort from me on that. Nellie Olson has friends. Harriet Olson still going on about her scarf. We get a shot of Peter and can't really get a good read on him right now as he is watching Harriet gushing over this gift. Harriet then tells Peter that he can go out and play as soon as he is done unpacking. However, Peter's not too into that idea. Harriet Olson then unpacks a velvet coat. We are told that this outfit is for chapel. Harriet Olson exclaims that he can wear it tomorrow to church. He can show what proper people wear. She concludes with, You'll set your mark on Walnut Grove, Peter. Peter is just busy looking out the window. We cut to later that evening. Mr. Olson checks in on Peter, who is having a little trouble sleeping. Mr. Olson relays that he had a similar situation when he was younger, going off to live with relatives for a brief time. We're all strangers until we become friends. Echoing that same sentiment Laura had back in the Be My Friend episode, Mr. Olson continues that he knows Peter will miss his pa, same as his pa will miss him. And out from Peter's mouth, uh, he won't miss me at all. Mr. Olson inquires what makes Peter say that, and Peter, it's the truth. They say goodnight, and Peter is left to go to sleep. It's Sunday, after church, and there are a number of boys who bolt outside. And out in the uh, schoolyard, churchyard, they all proceed to pick up clumps of dirt and mud. And you guessed it, Peter is there, dressed in his fancy attire. He is greeted by those phony smiles. And instead of being smart and waiting to move with the pack, Peter decides that he's just going to head over to the mercantile without the Olsons, who just happen to be at the top of the stairs saying their goodbyes to other members of the congregation. But Peter proceeds headfirst towards that line of boys, and they prevent him from passing. They mock him, calling him Lordship, and Peter replies by calling them nincompoops. That line of boys 
they all giggle. Do you hear that? He called us nincompoops. And those boys proceed to slather that dirt and mud all over Peter. They all run away when Harriet Olsen gives chase and tries to comfort Peter, who has already left and ran into the mercantile. Harriet Olsen tries to run after, but Mr. Olsen stops her. Let the boy be. Harriet's caused enough trouble by forcing Peter to wear that fancy outfit. We cut to Peter up in his room, staring at his mud-covered clothes and face. Mr. Olsen enters, and Peter immediately whines about how he wants to return home. Mr. Olsen states, however, it's not his father's wishes. Peter continues to plead. There's a facepalm from me. As Mr. Olsen then defends those other kids, they're a good lot. Well, most of them anyway. At this moment, Willie interrupts the scene to announce that the roast ham for dinner is ready. Peter states he's not hungry. In fact, he's going on a hunger strike until he is sent home. Mr. Olsen, okay, but um, your stomach is going to say different. And he leaves Peter in his room. Peter continues to stare at himself in the mirror. And outside the door, we hear Mr. Olsen and Harriet discussing the situation. Harriet is trying everything to convince Peter to come out and have some food. She apologizes for the ruffians. And while well, Peter, he continues to stare at that man, boy, in the mirror. It's another day. Alice Garvey is heading into the mercantile and passes Peter sitting on the top step. Inside, she tells Mr. Olson that statue outside needs some dusting. They both LOL. She's come to deliver a telegram and a package. And upon hearing the arrival of a package, Harriet Olson races out of that storage room, thrilled. It's here! She then calls out for Willie and heads up to his room. Willie is up in his room. He's not in trouble. He's just choosing to play there. In fact, he is tossing paper, color paper, airplanes out the window. Harriet Olson enters and mentions she has a surprise for him. And she's opening up the parcel. I want you to try this on. And she lifts from that parcel the identical outfit Peter has been wearing. Hashtag twinning. Willie turns and his eyes get bigger. And he exclaims, I ain't wearing that. Harriet, don't say ain't. And yes, you are. We cut to downstairs. Harriet Olson then drags Willie down the stairs in that outfit. Mr. Olson, where did that come from? Harriet exclaims, I sent for it. There's no reason why Peter should be the only properly dressed boy in all the town. This is when Willie, standing on those stairs with a rather, um, interesting smile, states, can I go show my friends my new suit? He then admits how much he loves this new outfit. Harriet Olson says, oh, you do love it? Yes, go show your friends, but no playing. Willie promises, I won't play, and he heads out. Willie steps out onto the porch, right next to Peter. Again, hashtag twinning. That group of boys from before are out there, plus two more. One of them yells out to Prince Willie about his clothes. 
Peter turns and looks up at Willie and takes notice of his outfit, and then watches Willie head towards that group of boys. That entire group is LOLing at Willie, and all Willie does is stand there with a smile, and then beans and rice, Willie does a frontal wedgie to the young kid who called him Prince Willie. Ouch! Not only that, Willie pulls so hard he manages to rip the boy's suspenders off. He then proceeds to rip the pocket off the kid's shirt. And the kid yells out, that's my best shirt. And with a smile, Willie states, so what? This is when Willie proceeds to lose the collar of his fancy coat. It was torn off. Willie replies with ripping the shirt open of the young kid. And the next thing we know, that entire group tackles Willie. And the subtitles read, Fabric Ripping. Harriet Olson is conveniently outside and sees all of this, yells for Mr. Olson, and runs towards Willie. Of course, this causes the entire pile of boys to scatter, and we see Willie left in his pink onesie underwear. I told you not to play in it! Willie Olson, uh, you call that playing? Yes, there's a small smile still left on his face. Harriet Olson rushes Willie inside. You're practically naked. And Harriet accuses those boys of bad behavior. Look what they did to you. Mr. Olson, you bought that outfit for him, and you made him a laughing stock. And all he did was fight back. And I have to confess that Willie knew exactly what he was doing. Inside the mercantile, Mr. Olson and Harriet are having a heated discussion. Harriet Olson even uses the word deportment. But the big reveal of the scene is Mr. Olson is aware that Harriet had sent a letter to Mr. Lundstrom mentioning how the boy wants to go home. And the reason why we know this is because that telegram that Alice Garvey delivered is his response. Harriet opens up that letter, and it's definitely strongly worded because the reaction on Harriet Olson's face is priceless. How dare he even suggest I can't teach my own children social graces? Mr. Olson, well, he's not exactly suggesting that. But we do find out that Peter is meant to stay the entire summer. However, the way Harriet Olson states it, it does suggest that Peter's father is rejecting his son, which is unfortunately how Peter also hears it, and he runs off. Harriet Olson, in a quieter voice, you think he heard me? As she then starts to put her foot in her mouth, Mr. Olson, the whole Hero Township heard you. Peter himself didn't go too far. He's, in fact, at the end of the porch. Mr. Olson tries to comfort him. Peter is not having it and calls their sentiments false. You're all liars. You don't want me here. And realizing that he is here till the end of the summer, he requests to be left alone. Mr. Olson grants this request and leaves him on the porch. And I just have to ask, has this kid done nothing but sit on that porch this entire summer? And wear the same outfit? But holy spit, Peter? Well, 
is having some anger issues slash a call for help as he proceeds to pick up the chair on the porch and smashes the front windows of the mercantile, including the fragile glass merchandise that was behind the windows. Right on cue, Charles enters the scene. He restrains Peter and then witnesses two different methods of parenting. The very authoritative Mr. Olson and the spoiling Harriet Olson. Mr. Olson sends Peter inside and he tells Harriet to stay out of this entire affair. Mr. Olson, turning to Charles, admits he's at the end of his wits in regards to Peter moping around and now this destructive behavior. Charles understands the moping around, but looking at the windows has no idea what caused this outburst. Mr. Olson does, however, and says it's his father. He feels as though his father doesn't want him around. And curious, Charles inquires if there's any truth in that. From Mr. Olson, we get a no, followed by a second no, and neither one of them sound convincing. Mr. Olson relays how Mr. Lundstrom, Peter's father, was a farm boy, and he wanted his son to have values, and that's why he was sent out to Walnut Grove. However, Peter's feelings suggest otherwise, and the only thing, according to Mr. Olson, Peter has learned is how to smash windows. Charles mentions that he needs help with clearing. He continues that it's paid work, it would pay for the windows, it's a couple weeks, he can sleep in the barn. And Mr. Olson, when can he start? We cut to the next morning. Mr. Olson is chauffeuring Peter to the Ingalls. Charles is outside the barn, getting ready to clear those fields. Peter steps out of the wagon. Mr. Olson hands over the luggage, and he is out of there. And this is how Peter meets the rest of the Ingalls family. And he's even offered breakfast. However, Peter turns it down, which leads to some excitement in Charles. Great! We can get to work after I show you your sleeping quarters. Peter immediately starts to head towards the house. Charles stops him. Um, the house is for family. Hired help get to bunk out in the barn, loft, slash studio apartment. And I can't help but wonder, what about the Prairie Airbnb? As they turn to head towards the barn, Charles reminds Peter that he needs to bring his bag. And up into the loft, Peter hoists his bag. Charles tells him that there is new hay. You can put your clothes in the storage box over in the corner. And from the window, you have a lovely view of the outhouse. Charles then mentions how Mr. Olson packed work clothes for Peter. Peter replies that he likes what he has on. But according to Charles, well, I don't prefer them, and you work for me. And if you don't, Charles promises a bare-bottom whipping. This gets a silent response from Peter with an expression that is complete confusion. Charles tells Peter to change and be down in five minutes. We're out at that job site. Charles is dragging in a branch to Peter, who's already busy sawing. Charles recommends the gloves for Peter's hands as he continues that work. Peter turns them down. Again, Charles inquires, are you sure you don't want the gloves? And from Peter, quite sure. 
Charles, all right, suit yourself, but your hands are going to get tired. We cut to lunch break. It's 30 minutes long. Peter is sitting down, absolutely cradling his hands. And what has sweet Caroline packed for lunch? Fried chicken and biscuits. When Charles offers Peter some food, he turns it down. Apparently, he's still on that hunger strike. Charles double checks, are you sure you're not hungry? Peter, I'm quite sure. And from Charles, well, you're quite sure about everything, aren't you? Charles then changes the conversation and inquires about Peter's hands. Peter responds with, they're fine. And well, this is when Charles sends Peter back to work. Lunchtime is for eating. And if your hands are all right and you don't eat, well, you might as well go back to work. And Peter stands up and he picks up that axe. And it looks like he's having certain thoughts in his head as he gets back to work. And Charles continues to consume that fried chicken with a smile as he watches Peter chop that wood. We cut to nighttime in the barn and Peter is soaking those hands. They are torn up. He looks a little shocked at his hands as he slowly dries them off. And this is when Charles arrives at the barn and offers liniment for Peter's hands. Peter states they're fine. But Charles, being a smart ass and just needing to know, are you quite sure they're fine? Charles has come to bring Peter to the table. Even if he's not hungry, he is told that he will sit with the rest of the family for the blessing and will leave when he is excused. See you in a few minutes. We cut to Charles at the table saying grace. It's the standard thank yous, food, roof over the head, good health, but then there's a special shout out for Peter. Lord, he's a good worker. He does a man's day. These words actually get a reaction from Peter. As Charles is serving himself a flank of steak, he begins to discuss the day's work and how exhausted he's going to be because he had to keep up with Peter. Laura, also almost on cue, turns to Peter and states, Pa said you chopped two wagon loads. Peter, I did? And without noticing, Peter takes that plate of steaks and starts to serve himself. Charles even mentions how they might be done with the work sooner and they can get to planting. Mary inquires if her and Laura can help out with that. Permission granted. Peter's starting to feel pretty welcomed. Caroline inquires how Charles' steak is, and he says it's fine. She then proceeds to inquire to Peter, how is his steak? And Peter informs her, it's great. He then proceeds to down his glass of milk. And for some reason, we then get a shot of Carrie doing the exact same thing, but oof, it almost looked like she was about to hurl. We then fade to black. But we come back with Mary, Peter, and Laura seeding the field. The conversation topic is Charles, and the girls have nothing, of course, but positive things to say about Charles. This does not go unnoticed by Peter, and he confesses he actually doesn't know much about his own dad. Pa mostly is busy with work. Laura, 
Well, so is ours, but he's always around when we need him. It's the end of the day. Mary, Laura, Peter are in the back in the wagon as Charles is driving them home. He compliments his crew and decides that the best thing for do at this time would be to go swimming. Peter tries to turn down this invite. One, I'm tired. Two, uh, I've got no swimming suit. Charles, well, you work for me and we all go swimming. At the swimming spot, Mary and Laura in the water splashing around. Charles is in his underwear, that pink onesie, and calls for Peter. Peter's a little reluctant to get near the water because he's never learned to swim. Not surprised. Charles, sympathetic, is well aware that this is a problem and that the only way to solve it, well, is to teach him, Peter, how to swim. Charles says there's nothing to be scared of. Unless you adopt to the Charles Ingalls Guide to Swimming, which is step one, pick up the student. Step two, throw them in the water. Three, yell at them from a distance to kick their feet and paddle their arms. And four, don't tell them it's only waist-deep water. Which is exactly what happens in this scene. We cut to evening. It's after dinner. Charles is walking Peter back to the barn as Peter is getting ready for bed. At the bottom of the ladder, Peter states how much fun he had today. And Charles, you sure did. And then Peter says it. Uncle Charles? And Peter starts to explain how he's never, never, he never finishes his sentence. But he does give Charles a big hug. Good night, Uncle Charles. Charles says good night, and I'll see you in the morning. We find Charles and Peter heading into town in the wagon and eventually making their way to the mercantile. Harriet Olson comes out of the storage room to greet Peter. She's been so worried about him. And then she makes a fuss about his hands. She is so appalled by these calluses and blisters. Your poor hands! Peter, well, better on your hands than on your behind. That's what Uncle Charles says. Harriet Olson then proceeds to believe that Charles is a bad influence on the boy. Mr. Olson enters the room and he's happy to see Peter and he's got some news to share with him. Heading behind the counter, Mr. Olson pulls out the ledger and points out Peter's debt. The cost for wood, glass, putty, labor, as well as what Peter has earned from working with Charles. Peter looks at it and then mentions that it shows a minus. And Peter has finally earned his first paycheck. 43 cents, according to Mr. Olson. A little jingle for your pocket. And even though the debt is paid off, Mr. Olson can tell Peter wants to stay with the Ingalls. Peter replies, well, if you don't mind, Uncle Charles has got more work for me. And with a smile, Mr. Olson tells Peter to go and have a good time. Peter replies with a thank you, uncle, and bye, auntie, as he leaves. Harriet Olson doesn't make any mention of the change in behavior for Peter, but she is annoyed because your cousin sent him for us to take care of. And Mr. Olson admits, I know, but the Ingalls have more to offer them than we do. What? Blisters? And with a humble smile, Mr. Olson states, well, just about everything. 
we then get a montage of life of Peter at the Ingalls, loading sacks into the wagon with Charles, learning how to milk a cow with Laura, to some comical effect, cross-cutting sawing with Charles, and lastly, learning how to drive a wagon. We cut to late night. Caroline is coming out of the house and finds Charles, with some summertime sadness, smoking out by the barn. As sad as he is about not being called Uncle Charles, he's hoping that Peter will find a little at home what he found here. He's leaving tomorrow afternoon. Peter has plans to show his pa that he's learned how to swim, but after that, it's out of Charles's hands. The two of them head inside and have coffee. Cut to Harriet Olsen at the piano singing I Dream of Jeannie. And off to the side, Mr. Olsen is trying to get through the newspaper. The scene is interrupted by a knock at the door, which Harriet Olsen doesn't understand why she has to answer the door. And Mr. Olsen, stating the obvious, well, while you're answering the door, you won't be singing. Harriet opens the door, and it's a small family reunion. Olaf Lundstrom is at the door, along with Peter's grandma, Ma, Mrs. Caldwell, who, upon entering the house, inquires, Where's Peter? Mr. Olson redirects and says he's out with friends, and we're supposed to go meet them. And this is when Mr. Olson spills the tea about sending Peter to stay with the Ingalls. As they turn to leave... Mr. Olson orders Harriet to stay behind and sing. Out at the swimming hole, Mr. Olson, Olaf Lundstrom, and Grandmama Codwell arrive. Peter, right at the water's edge, waves hi to his paw and then heads into the water and starts to swim around. All the adults exchange introductions. Olaf Lundstrom then mentions how good and healthy Peter looks. He then tells Peter to come on out of the water. We've got something to talk about. And instead of saying what a good swimmer his son is, Olaf goes for, I heard you're a really good worker. And Peter's attitude completely changes. He then mentions his stuff is over at the Ingalls and he'll head on over there to pack on foot by himself, despite being offered the ride in the carriage. Unsure of what just happened, Olaf Lundstrom inquires, What did I say? And surprise! Mr. Olson states, Nothing. And that's the trouble. I could have sworn it was going to be Charles. But this is when Charles opens his mouth and states, The boy was showing you that he knows how to swim. Olaf was completely unaware that his boy didn't know how to swim. Grandmama Caldwell states, We're well aware of his activities. Charles then informs her that knowing he doesn't like school and that he's stealing is one thing, but do you know why? Grandmama Caldwell is insulted. However, she's told to be quiet by Olaf. As Charles explains that Peter's craving your attention, Grandmama Caldwell excuses these accusations and calls them ridiculous. Charles then asks the big question. What's the last thing you talked about with your son? There's silence from Olaf. Charles, there's more to raising a boy than teaching him a sense of values. There's love. Olaf requests that Charles escorts him to his house. 
and up in the Ingalls barn hayloft, Peter is packing his clothes, and up pops Olaf's head. He tries to talk to his son. He apologizes for the distance. He again repeats the reasoning of why he chose to send him out to Walnut Grove. And boy, is he nervous. He pulls out a hanky and wipes his brow. Trying a different tactic, he then inquires, how, how did you learn to swim? Peter says, that man threw me in the water. And with a smile starting to spread on Olaf's face, he exclaims, just like my pa did to me. I, I, I bet you didn't know that, did you? Peter responds with silence. Olaf then asks Peter to look at him and then admits that he's not been a good father. He's aware. I have no excuses. I work the way I do, but I don't have to. Just like you don't have to steal. I want to change. I want to be a good father to you. And this is when the tears start coming out of his eyes. And Peter, shocked, you're crying, Papa. Papa, don't preach. Just kidding. Peter continues to tell his dad not to cry. And he smiles and he hugs his dad and states, I love you. And they both break into sobs. Sobs and LOLs as they both yell out they love you. Inside the house, Grandmama Codwell is impatient. She continues to check the watch, annoyed that they'll potentially miss their train. Charles mentions he'll go fetch the two, and upon opening the door, he is greeted with a father and son. Grandmama Codwell mentions they are going to miss the train, but Olaf states, I know, and pointing to his son, but we're going to go swimming. Turning his attention to Charles, Olaf Lundstrom then inquires if he and Peter can stay on for a little while. It's been a long time since I slept in a good hay bed. Charles is so happy for his guests and says yes. Grandmama Codwell at the table reminds Olaf that he has a stockholders meeting on Thursday. Olaf blows it off. My son and I, we can't make it and those two head out to the swimming hole. We get a shot of everyone inside the house, LOLing, except Grandmama Codwell. And then we cut to Olaf and Peter Lundstrom heading out to that swimming hole. So as you can tell, this recap went over a little bit, so let's get right into rating and reviewing this episode. Truth be told, this is the story that needed a 75-minute long-run time. Truth, the episode is good the way it is, but there's a part of me that just feels those extra 15 minutes would have made this just an outstanding episode. So simple story of troubled, neglected son who lashes out and eventually comes around when he is given some TLC. Tough, loving Charles. We could explain... Olaf Lundstrom's behavior by diving into work after his wife had passed away, but the wife really only gets one mention at the very beginning of the episode. And I highly doubt that Grandmama Caldwell is echoing the thoughts and feelings that her daughter would really represent. Tough Loving Charles is also rather unique with um his methods on teaching swimming. And if you are a graduate of this program of learning how to swim. I'm sorry. 
it's also the way I learned how to swim. It took me a while to actually go back into the water, but three, four, eight years later after that, I love swimming. It's also not surprising that Peter does end up all the way out at the Ingalls. Olaf Lundstrom states that he grew up as a farm boy. So it's rather interesting that the first person that comes to Olaf's mind is his cousin, Mr. Olson, who is not a farmer, but a business owner who just happens to live way out in the country. Talk about being detached. Olaf Lundstrom doesn't even know what his cousin does. And if Olaf was more in contact with Mr. Olson, wouldn't he then already be aware sending Peter out to him? would not result in learning really any sort of values, but I love how honest Mr. Olson is about that. It's not the first time Mr. Olson has paid high compliments towards Charles in regards to raising children or at least having a pretty healthy family life. Because who told Charles he was the richest man in Walnut Grove? Mr. Olson. More often than not, Mr. Olson always seems to know what is best. And of course, Peter is just lonely and not just from his father, but really any sort of positive feedback in general. It's also interesting to note, this is the first time we see Charles get to be in a relationship that's sort of father-son-esque. And of course, I still remember little baby Charles Frederick Jr. But obviously, Charles never got to have these kind of moments with him. And yes, I am aware about young Charles turning into Alfred Ingalls in the coming season. So this is a nice precursor to seeing Charles eventually having that father-son relationship. Oh, and let's talk about Willie. Dear Willie, I am going to say it. He was brilliant with coming up with a way of getting out of wearing that fancy velvet outfit which is not something we do get to say frequently about Willie. It is also by far his most action-packed scene. If you don't count, of course, his sword fight with Laura when he pretends to be Robin Hood, when he makes a mad dash for the outhouse after being served castor oil, or jumping on top of Harriet, thinking she's the creeper of Walnut Grove. Willie is in this moment for a purpose, to get out of ever wearing that outfit ever again. And of course, he is willing to do anything to make sure that plan happens. So congratulations, Willie. They may not be my methods, but I applaud them just the same. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. This entire episode takes place during a summer. Summer just seemed really short in Walnut Grove this year. So again, having a long run time of 75 minutes might have done this episode a little bit more justice. After Peter pays off his debt, he's got some free time, even though he's still working. So let's have some scenes with Peter acting with the youth of Walnut Grove. I don't know, maybe even some sort of retaliation or getting even with those boys from the beginning. Or even getting along with them. So yeah, I feel as though I wanted just a little bit more. I wanted to see an absolute transformation for Peter, and albeit we got a really big one, but how does he interact with people his own age? especially ones that slathered mud, dirt, all over his face and clothes. So this episode definitely left me wanting more. And it's because of that, we are going to give this episode, The Stranger, a 4.75 
bonnet rating. And as always, those are some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode, and I encourage you to reach out with your thoughts and feelings about this episode or any other particular episode from Plum Creek with Love at Gmail and Instagram. I'll throw this out there. Would anyone be interested in a Twitter account for from Plum Creek with Love? Let me know your feelings. Also, feel free to leave your feelings in either a rating or a review on your platform of choice. Greatly appreciated. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and we are just at 45 minutes. Well, minus the closing music. And until next time, take care. Yeah.